Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, you might want to open them to the book of Mark. That's the second book uh, in the Old Testament. If you don't know where Mark is, go to the front of your Bible. It will tell you. So you might want to stick a finger in there. Uh, If you read your Bible on your iPad or phone, don't stick a finger in there. That's not going to work. So just open it. We're going to be looking at that book. We're going to be looking at a miracle uh, that happened in the Bible. Throughout the summer, we're looking at miracles and parables of Jesus. And we want to welcome you, whether you've been journeying with Jesus your whole life, uh, whether you've been dragged here kicking and screaming by someone who promised you lunch and you're not a follower of Jesus, or whether you're just exploring or somewhere in between, uh, we're so glad to see you here. I don't know where you stand when it comes to the subject of miracles. It's one of those topics, I remember as a kid, I didn't I grow up in a particularly religious home, but growing up in Northern Ireland, you were still told stories of miracles and different things from at different clubs and in school. And I remember miracles kind of as they were told, they were a bit like these myths or legends. Like I kind of believed in miracles in the same way I believed in like Spider-Man and He-Man and Peter Pan and things like that. It was just these things that were a bit out there. Um, I heard about them. And if I look back, I actually wonder if the people telling me those stories were even convinced uh, that they'd happened or not. And as I got older and as I discovered Jesus for myself, as I began a relationship with Jesus, I of course realized that these miracles were way different uh, than Peter Pan or He-Man or any of those kind of things. But actually, my experience of being part of the church and the wider church is that often those of us in the room or online who are following Jesus, we still treat miracles as these kind of exceptional things that happen randomly, right? That there's a good number of us who are just like, yeah, like, yeah, we, we, we don't deny that they happen, but we don't expect that they're going to happen in our everyday. But yet everyone you talk to would really like to see more of them but yet they're maybe not a part of our everyday or our normal life. And maybe even some of us don't even believe that anything like that could happen. Now, I understand that because we live in a tangible world, right? We live in a world and we are people who really like the things that we can see, right? So we'll say, I'll not believe it till I see it. Or I'll not believe it until I hear it with my own ears or until I hold it, until I grab it, until I know that this is real, I'm not going to believe it. And and our world kind of has a natural order to it, doesn't it? There's things that naturally happen in our world, okay? So we've got natural things like gravity, okay? So I've got a packet of biscuits. You will get them at the end. We have more than one, by the way, just to share out. So if I let go of these biscuits, what's going to happen to them? Oh, this isn't hard, guys. I mean, there's more challenging stuff coming later on. What's going to happen to biscuits? Unless God holds them, they're going to drop. Right? Gravity. It's real. Anyone want biscuits? You can have biscuits. Have some biscuits. Unless you're allergic, don't eat them. Then that would be terrible. Gravity is, it's just, right, it's a natural order. It happens. What about time? Time is one of those things that happens whether we want it to or not. So when we're having fun, time flies. Whenever we're listening to a talk in church, it goes slow. Another church. (laughs) Not here. 
But time is one of those things, right? We can't, we can't slow it down. We can't speed it up. It's like I remember, um, goodness, a couple of years ago, I remember, do you remember the app that you could actually take a photo of yourself and it would show you what it looked like when you were older, right? Some of you, yeah, there's me and Janet. Um, <laughs> if you don't know Janet... <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, serving in kids this morning. She looks much better than that, by the way. So that's what I'm going to look like, apparently. Oh, man, she may get rid of me before then. Some of you are sitting here going, I don't need an app to tell me that I'm old. But, um, so we can't slow down time. It's a natural order. What about things like pain? Pain, right? If I was to take a run off this stage and crowd surf into the middle of you guys, how many people think pain will happen somewhere? For me, most likely, for you, very definitely, pain will happen. What about, not just pain physically, pain emotionally. If we live long enough, right, all you've got to live a couple of years and you start to realize that actually our emotions can be painful. Friendships, relationships, they, they can just be a struggle. Thing, people let us down. We let people, we let others down. Pain is one of those natural things that happens in life. Of course, there's also joy and excitement and laughter. Those are all real emotions and natural orders too. But what about loss? We know that, don't we? And these are natural things that happen in our world. And, and so what happens is, is we get so used to those things that they become a reality. And here's my challenge to any of us in the room today who are followers of Jesus, and it's this question, do we have more faith in those things than we do in the power of the kingdom of God? Do I have more faith in gravity and pain and loss and time than I do in the ability of God to come and intervene in any circumstance in my life and to, to completely reverse it? It's a challenging question, isn't it? That's why we're all quiet. See, when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's this thing that's mentioned in the Bible uh, often, and especially in the New Testament, and really what it refers to is the dynamic rule and reign of God. When you talk about the kingdom coming, when Jesus talks about the kingdom coming, what he's not talking about is the natural order of earth. He's not talking about our expectations and our experiences. He's talking about something that is completely different. He's talking about a kingdom or a realm that has completely different rules than our world has. So when the kingdom of heaven comes, when the kingdom of God comes, we should expect something different than what we always experience here. So when we talk about miracles, we're not talking about myths or fairy tales or legends. We're actually talking about moments when the kingdom of heaven comes on earth and we see changes. So when Joel's sharing those stories about healings and things like that, those are miracles. That's reversing a natural order of pain that was happening. Does that make sense? So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about miracles, okay? Um, if you were brought up in any kind of church or any kind of um, gone to a Christian club or anything like that, you will probably at some point have prayed the Lord's Prayer, okay? If you haven't, don't worry. Um, but the Lord's Prayer, there's a part in it where it says this. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? Straight away, we've all gone, forgive us, no, just have a good deal with Right? Because we say it so automatically. If you grew up in any kind of Christian upbringing, you just, like literally we just rhyme it all off. All someone says is our Father and everyone goes, hey, I don't know, be your name. And we know the rhythm and we get it. But here's the thing. That's a miracle prayer. That's a miracle prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here 
as it is up there. People who pray that prayer are asking for God to do miracles. That means that we've got churches in our country that don't believe in miracles that are asking God to come and do miracles every week. Isn't that cool? Maybe not for all of you, but for me it is. And so actually, we we actually pray those kind of prayers. We're asking God for doing these miracles. Now, here's the thing. Remember in this natural order that we have on earth that we're wanting to invite something that seems supernatural to us. Here's the thing. The challenge for those of us who follow Jesus is not to limit the natural order of heaven by the natural order of earth. Right? We can't apply our rules to his reign. Does that make sense? It's his kingdom come His will be done, right? And so when we talk about miracles, actually what we have to say is that actually this operates outside of what we might think is normal. But God, we want to have your way coming because I want God's way above my way because I know it is much, much better. Now, the miracle that we're going to look at today, I did tell you to open your Bible in the book of Mark. Uh, What's unique about this miracle is it's actually the only miracle in Scripture other than the resurrection of Jesus that's recorded by all four Gospels. Now, at the start of the New Testament in the Bible, there's four books called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just in case uh, the Bible is new to you. And those are four Gospels that talk about the life of Jesus. Now, they're written by four different people. They had different sources. They were writing to slightly different audiences, and they had slightly different contexts for how they had written them. Every one of them is, is the, the same stuff, but it's just written from a different perspective. Does that make sense? So someone's asked me before, why do we need four Gospels? And I was like, well, it's a bit like, I mean, how many people watched Ireland beat the All Blacks yesterday for the first time? You, we're happy about that. We're happy about that. So, so that happened. Now, if I was to ask four of you, how did the game go? Each of you would tell me the same result, but you would all have a slightly different perspective on how you watched the game. That's kind of what the four Gospels are like. Each, each writer is writing from a different perspective, but the truth about Jesus is the same in all of them. But this, this story, the feeding of the 5,000, was actually in all four Gospels because each one of those writers felt it was important for some reason. So what we're going to do at the start is I want to look at the start of this story in all four, and then we're going to look at the book of Mark. So we're going to put up those verses. This is uh, Matthew writes it like this. When Jesus heard what had happened, I'm going to tell you what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. When Mark is writing about it, he's talking about the apostles gathering back to Jesus. They reported what they'd done and taught. And then he goes on to say, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Luke puts it like this. When the apostles returned, they reported what they'd done. He took, and then they went with them and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. John writes it like this. Jesus went up a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. Okay. Now, what we can see from this is that Jesus and his disciples are trying to be on their own. Right? They're trying to get away. Right? We see that they're going away in a boat, solitary place, up a mountain. Their goal at this moment is to remove themselves from the crowd so that they can be on their own. Now, why would they want to do that? Well, two things have happened before this. First thing is this. The disciples have just come back from their first ever solo mission trip. Okay, so up to this point, the disciples have walked with Jesus. He showed them what to do. But there comes this moment where Jesus says to those 12 followers, and he says, I want you to go out into the towns and the cities around here, and I want you to go and to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. So they've just gone, and they've been sent on their first sort of mission trip. They've all come back, and if you've ever, those of us who follow Jesus, if you've ever been on a mission trip when you come back, you're all these emotions. You're excited. You're like, well, I can't wait, but you are tired. 
and all you want to do is be on your own and be with Jesus again. And that, so that's happened. They've all come back from that. The second thing that's happened is that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has just been executed. John the Baptist had spoken out against the king uh, who was ruling, and uh, he had him executed for what John had said. So Jesus is actually in a space, and the disciples are in a space where they're grieving for their friend. And they're in fear of their own lives because what has just happened to John, there's potential that it could happen to them. So we've got these two things going on, right? That explains why they want to get on their own. Isn't that fair enough? Like if you'd gone through that, you think you would go, yeah, I need some me time, right? And that's what was happening. They wanted me time. So uh, in fact, let's do, um, how many people, give me a wave if you're a parent in the room, you've got kids at school, okay? How many people after one week of summer holidays want some me time? Yeah, right? Kids in the room here at school, we love you, but you have so much energy. Um, teachers in the room, we respect you. Please get back to work soon. <laughs> no, you deserve your rest. You are wonderful. Um, so they want to get some space. They want to get some time, right? Uh, now, why is it important to know that context? Well, why it's important to know it's similar to what we talked about last week with water into wine, is actually Jesus and his disciples don't really appear that they're in the right place to perform a miracle. Like the conditions for doing that miracle, they don't seem like they're that ready for them, right? Like we have this sort of idea that a day that Jesus is gonna perform one of the biggest miracles, feeding the 5,000, we think that was a day that he was gonna wake up, spend loads of time in prayer, get on his miracle clothes and say, right boys, today's the day, get your Instagram ready, we're gonna do this, right? It wasn't like that. It was an ordinary day filled with pain, Loss, tiredness, and all sorts of other emotions. These men did not look like they were ready for what they were about to do. So often, we say things like that. I just don't think I'm in the right place right now to pray for anyone. I don't think God could use me because I've got stuff going on. My kids, it's all a bit crazy at home. I'm going to wait until September till I pray for someone. Folks, here's the thing. It's actually not about readiness. They were not in the right place, but they made themselves available. See, the starting place for a miracle life, for a life that sees more miracles, is not about being ready, it's about being available. Availability always trumps readiness. Do you know that you will never feel ready? I've been trying to pray for people and seeing God move for about 15 years of my life. I don't know if I ever feel ready. Every time I feel scared nervous. So we got to remember that. Now, as we move on into the story, this is what we find out. Many who saw them leaving, this is in the book of Mark, recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many many things. Now, I can only imagine, I've talked about this before, I'm an introvert. So if you're, if you're someone who's ready to spend time on their own, and you're ready to just recover a little bit, decompress a little bit, and then you kind of turn up to your house or wherever you were going to rest, and there's a whole crowd waiting for you, how do you feel? <sighs> right? And I wonder if Jesus and the disciples, as they're going on boat and they're watching the crowds running around, if there was a part of them that just went, oh... But what did Jesus do? Why did he, why when he arrived did he not just say, go away, I need some me time. 
I need to look after myself. And of course, there's nothing wrong with looking after herself. But why didn't he do it? Because he had compassion on them. In fact, every miracle that Jesus did, he did because he was devoted to his Father and he loved his people. He wasn't doing them to raise his own status. He wasn't doing it to prove that God was good. He wasn't doing it to stick it to his accusers. He was doing it because he loved his Father and he loved his people. And for those of us who are following Jesus today, that is the place that we must serve God from. I know in the past in churches, we've seen it where people have distorted that, where actually miracles and praying for sick or whatever it is has become more about the person on the stage than it's been the person receiving it. That's wrong. We should never be that. It should always be compassion because we want to see every person that we lock eyes with experience the love of God. We want to see every person that we meet experience the peace of God. And because of that, then my job, if I'm a follower of Jesus, is to help be someone who can help bring that into their lives. Does that make sense? So, so, so often, if you're anything like me, any of those times where you know that you're called to pray for someone or you should do it, you get that feeling in your stomach. And then you go to pray for someone and your tongue and your mouth dries up. And you say silly words and you get it wrong and you do all those things. And because you have experiences like that, the next time that it comes, you sit there going like, I think I'll just let them go. But what if we began to flip it? What if we weren't the focus of that moment and they became the focus of that moment? What if we said, the focus of this right now is not my nervousness, is not my fear, is not all the things that I'll get wrong, but my focus right now is compassion because I need that person to meet with Jesus. And we started from a place of love and humility. You see, if the starting point for miracles is not about being ready, it's about being available. Then the second part, the motivation for seeing miracles is not about us. It's about loving others. When we live this miracle lifestyle, asking God to come, your kingdom come, your will be done, it's not about us. It's about the world that he's called us to be in. And as we move on in this story, uh, we see more. So Jesus has begun to teach them. And then it says this, by this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And then Jesus says the best thing ever. Jesus answers them, you give them something to eat. I love this. Jesus straight away just says, hey, what have you guys got? Right? Um, I just think this is so funny. Like when we often, I don't, if you're maybe here and you're not following Jesus or you're new to following Jesus, one of the things that we've done as the church that I don't think is helpful is what we've said is, come to Jesus and you're just going to have this amazing life. It'll be so settled and everything will just work out. I'm so sorry we did that. Jesus is the most unsettling person you will ever meet. He's amazing. I could think of any other life that I would want to lead than following Jesus. But because Jesus is in my life, he's going to call me into situations that don't make me comfortable so that I can see his glory come. Because Jesus is in my life, I no longer walk into a coffee shop and just enjoy a coffee on my own. I'm always listening to his voice to see how he wants me to serve. Because Jesus is in my life, I have to take risks that I don't necessarily want to take. My brother-in-law used to say it like this, the problem with Jesus is he's alive. 
And because he's alive, he's calling us into more. And this is what he's doing with the disciples. He's, he's unsettling them. He's saying, hey, hey, what are you guys gonna do? Now, the disciples were used to traveling. They were used to doing this stuff. So they were, they were trying to think about what, how they could do this. And so they respond in the way that we would all have responded. And they said this. They said to him, but that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much in bread and give it to them to eat? Right, they went practical. That's what we would have done. Okay, let's count them all up. There's quite a lot of people. We'll need to go spend all the money. We'll feed everyone. It's like back to what we said at the start. The challenge for those of us who follow Jesus is not to limit the natural order of heaven by the natural order of earth. They're thinking money, right? That's normal. But Jesus is trying to teach them something more than that. So this is what happens next. Most of you will know this. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves, two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, there's loads of moments in the Bible I wish I'd have been present to see. I think this is up there. Because I have so many questions. Like, what did that look like? How did it happen? What, 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 what point did this all multiply? How did it all go? How did, right? How did uh, uh, the, these fish and bread feed all of these people? How on earth could any of this have happened? Aren't fish really ugly, by the way? Um, right? I, I, just, I, just wanna, I just wanna know how it happened, how all of that went. Now, here's a really interesting thing about this miracle. As well as being one of the only miracles that was included in all four Gospels, it's one of the very few times in the Scriptures that Jesus doesn't seem to perform a miracle himself, but actually allows it to happen through the hands of his followers. Right? So he prays for it. He looks to heaven. He blesses the fish and the bread. But it's actually whenever it's given to the disciples and they hand it out to the people is where the multiplication seems to happen. Right? It's not in the moment because if it was in the moment, the gospel writers and three of the gospel writers pick up on this point. If it had been in the moment, if Jesus had held the bread, broken it, prayed, and then 5,000 loaves had appeared, I'm pretty sure it would have been recorded. But actually, actually what happens is they were handed to the disciples and it was as the disciples handed it out that it seemed to multiply. Now, I don't know what that looks like. Now, bear in mind, there were actually more than 5,000. It was recorded that it was 5,000 men, but there was women and children there as well. So we could be talking about 10,000 people, if not more. So I don't know if the disciples started with, do you know if you've invited someone around and then they brought a friend you weren't expecting and you're trying to make dinner stretch, like first portion? Do you know? And then I don't know if the disciples started like that, do you know? And then just as they went or not. But what we know is that everyone was satisfied. It wasn't a meager amount. They actually had leftovers. So I think it was probably as they reached into the basket, there was just another bit of bread and another bit of bread. I would love to have seen this. But this supernatural moment happens. Now, why does Jesus choose to do it that way? Why does Jesus choose to do it through the hands of his disciples rather than him? Because it would be actually more impressive if Jesus stood there and said, we've only got five loaves and two fish, blah, right? And then, because everyone would go, oh my goodness, he is amazing. But what does he do? He does it through his people. Here's the thing. Those disciples had just come back from their first solo mission trip. 
They had seen the power of God through their own hands, potentially for the first time ever. Whenever they come back to the expert, to Jesus again, what do you think they would do if someone had asked for a miracle? Go see Jesus, right? Can, can, would you ever pray for someone if Jesus was physically beside you the whole time? It's like, I'm really sick, could you pray for me? guy there, right? Imagine if Jesus was in this church, like physically as a, as a human every Sunday. Do you think any of us would get up and teach? We're like, Jesus got this one covered. I'm pretty sure he's better, right? We wouldn't do it. And Jesus knew that. As people, that's what we do. We defer to the experts. Whenever we do it, like here on earth, don't we? Like, you should talk to my friend. You know, they follow Jesus for longer than me. You should talk to the pastor. You should talk to Joel. You should, whatever it is, we defer to the experts. But <clears throat> Jesus doesn't want to do that. Because here's the thing, when it comes to living a miracle lifestyle, obedience is better than expertise. Obedience is better than expertise. It's okay that we might get more experienced at doing this stuff. And the more that we do it, we get more used to it. But actually, obedience is way more important than being good at it. And just being willing to step out and to do it. Now, we don't have as long left as I would like because time flies. Um, one thing I just want you to notice about this before um, we do something else, because uh, I want to actually workshop this in the room today. Um, one thing we find, you would think that after this miracle has happened, that Jesus and his disciples would then go and get the R&R that they wanted beforehand, right? So you think, right, we've done the miracle, it's time. Actually, what we find out in the book of Mark, it says immediately, Jesus sends them in a boat across the lake. And as they're going across the lake, there's wind and there's waves and the disciples are struggling against this. And then comes this moment that we all have heard of when Jesus comes walking to them in the water. He gets in the boat with them and, and he talks to them and they couldn't believe that the wind died down and that he could do this. And then it says, because their hearts were hardened because they hadn't understood what had happened with the loaves. What's, what's happening there is that the disciples were meant to pick up something that happened in the feeding of the 5,000 that would actually equip them for the rest of their lives. They were meant to understand that through their own hands, the power of God could be realized in the midst of need. And on the boat, when they're struggling against the water, they're in need. Actually, they should have learned in that moment that they had the power to calm the storm. They didn't have to wait for Jesus. Here's the thing, if any of us have seen a miracle in our life in any way, shape, or form, that's not meant to be one moment that we worship. It's meant to be something that teaches us that this is available every day in our lives. And so why do I talk about this today? I don't talk about this so that we can just learn. I wanna talk about this so that we can go and do this, right? I'm looking at y'all. I can see you all itching now to get out the door so you can go pray for people in the North Coast. Look at y'all, can't wait to get out. But before you do that, I wanna do two things. One, I wanna revise. And two, I wanna train you how to do it. So in revision, here's the thing that we need to remember when it comes to this idea of walking with miracles. Firstly is this, your availability is more important than your readiness. Your compassion is more important than your desire. And your obedience is more important than your expertise. So now we're gonna practice. Isn't that exciting? And here's the thing, I'm not gonna do it. You guys are. So here's what's gonna happen. Why don't we stand, <clears throat> if we're able to. Zara's gonna come and uh, lead worship. If we could just lock the doors at the back <laughs> before people escape. 
for you guys online, this is going to be harder for you to participate in, but maybe you'll find a way that you can do that as well. Um, now, here's what we're going to do in this moment. I'm going to ask for you to be really brave. Uh, the first thing I want is for anyone in the room, now this is whether you're part of CCV, whether you're visiting, whether this is your first time or a hundredth time, if you need a miracle in your life, could be for anything, healing, financial breakthrough, um, family situation, whatever it is, if you need a healing, I want you to come to the front, stand here and turn and face everyone else. Okay, so spread right the way across. In the, in the 9.30 service, we have people spread all the way across. So just come. We just need one person to be brave. Well done. There, where we go. It's Northern Ireland. As soon as one person goes, we all go. And here's the thing I want to remind you of. Um, if you are from Northern Ireland, uh, don't be sitting there going, is my miracle big enough? Do I need a better miracle than someone else? Just come. If you need God to intervene or break through in your life, just come. Just come. Honestly, don't try and rank it against other. There are way more people in the room than that. I want to be um, gentle with you, but there are more of you actually would like to come. You're just scared. It's okay. It's okay. I understand that. Don't worry. Nothing's going to happen to you. We're not going to like hit you over the head or do anything like that. We just want you to come. And we are going to invite people to pray for you in a minute. So please just keep coming. Another, another minute. I'll give you another minute to come for um, whatever it is, don't wait for me to call out the miracle from stage. Just if it's a healing, uh, brokenness, anything that you just need God to intervene in and you're desperate to see him move in your life, we would love you to come forward, okay? It's good, well done. You guys are so brave. Thank you so much for being brave enough. You can spread out to the side walls if you want. Now here's the thing, what, what's gonna happen then is we wanna pray for these people, right? These guys have stepped up and they said, we wanna see God uh, do a miracle in our lives and we wanna see that happen for them. That would be amazing. So normally what you do in this point is you call your prayer team. And I'm about to call the prayer team forward, but here's who the prayer team is. Those of you who are petrified about praying for people for miracles. Isn't that exciting? Why are you not laughing? So this is what I want you to do in just a little minute. And you can come as a family if you're nervous about it. But here's the one rule, guys to guys, girls to girls, okay? If you're a family, you can come together and, and pray for uh, whether it's a guy or a girl. But you're gonna come, you're gonna be the first wave of the prayer team. And all you have to do is come forward and look at the person that you're looking at. I'm gonna tell you what to do, but I want you to do it. Okay, so if you are either petrified about doing this, you maybe don't really believe in miracles or you've never seen it happen or maybe it's been a long time since you've ever seen God do anything like that, you're the prayer team. So pick someone that looks good and then come forward and stand in front of them, okay? Come on. Good work. Keep coming, well done guys, that's so brave. I'm gonna tell you what to do in just a minute. So just keep coming, you are the prayer team today. You've just been promoted. Um, guys in the front that don't have someone in front of them, could you put your hand up high in the air so that we can see where we still need people to come? So if you don't have someone in front of you, so if you girls could put your hands up. So if you see people with their hands up, that means no one's here to pray for them, so you are next. We've got one here, a guy here. We've got um, three girls over here and um, require someone to pray. If you're a guy and there's no guys um, that need prayer, um, then just double up. That's totally fine. Okay, so keep your hands up. Does everyone have someone to pray for? Isn't this comfortable? We've got two people over here, two girls over here, so we've got any. Okay, we're gonna to go to second wave of the prayer team, so whoever you are, if you've prayed for miracles before, come and pray, then that's fine. 
uh, come forward. Right, has everyone pretty much got someone? Okay, now, I'm going to train you how to do this, okay? So, first thing you're going to do, are we all feeling comfortable? Good. First thing we're going to do is a really simple exercise. Now, don't make it longer than it needs to be. Ask each other your name, okay? So, let's do that. Okay, that's enough. Unless you've got the longest name in history, we do not need that long to find out the names. Okay, now here's what's going to happen in just a minute. The people who are needing that miracle in their life, I'm going to get you in just a second to explain as much as you're comfortable in sharing, and this is really important, what is the miracle that you need? Okay, now you can, now please, 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 you are the ones that we want to care for and look after. So if you like don't want to share loads of details, that's totally fine. You can just say, I can't actually share it all now, but could you just pray? If you know it specifically, if it's I need healing for this or healing for that, then be as specific as you're able to be. So why don't you just do that? Person who's about to pray, you don't have to respond just now. You just listen to what the person who requires prayer, ask them what the miracle that they require is. Go. You guys, we're going to get a chance to worship in just a minute. Okay. So, again, we don't need a full, full list of everything just for training's sake. So... Have we all got the gist of what we need to pray for? Yeah? Guys down here? So let's not start praying yet. We're just hearing what's going on. We're not praying. We're just listening. Everyone happy? Okay. So next part of the training, here's what's going to happen. Um, just before, in a minute, I'm going to release you to pray. Here's what you're going to do. First of all, is you're going to, uh, if it's okay with that person, ask to lay hands on them. Now, the reason we do that is often in the scriptures, we see that Jesus lays hands on people. There seems to be something that happens in that. But if the person doesn't want you to do that, they're the one that gets to decide that. So if they say, don't touch me, okay? then don't touch them. If they require healing in their head or somewhere that's appropriate, you could lay a hand on that area. If they require healing in somewhere that's inappropriate, please don't lay hands anywhere near that area. Okay? So do it. Now, here's the, here's the big, big rule that you want to remember in all of this for you guys that are praying. Don't be weird. Okay? Just be normal people. And we're going to pray. This is not, here's the other thing. This is not a counseling session. You're not giving advice. You're not telling them how to lead their life. All you're doing is saying, I'm going to partner with the God of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to ask him to come to see this moment in your life turn around and for breakthrough to come. Does that make sense? That's all we're going to do. Now, what, we're, what then at the end of your prayer, you can check with them. If, if it's something that physically could have changed in that moment, you might already know. If it's not, I know people in the 930 service actually swapped email addresses so they could email each other um, and stuff. Could, so you could do that if you really want. No pressure. Um, 
Here's an amazing thing that happened in the 9.30, and then we're going to actually do this. We had a lady, um, a family here from Sweden, and uh, she came forward. She was someone who needed a miracle in her life, and she stood there. And afterwards, she told me her story. She was a a Swedish girl, um, and she was led to Jesus by someone from California who'd been on a mission trip to Sweden. That was just her backstory. Well, as she stood, the person who came forward to pray for her was someone in California who'd been living in Sweden who was here visiting and was able to pray for her in Swedish. She was completely blown away that God would pull something like that together. Isn't that amazing? God does these kind of things. So you guys are going to pray. You guys, what we're going to do, we're going to worship God, all right? So Zara's going to lead us in a song. The words are going to be on screen. So maybe you can stand up again if you've sat down already. I understand um, that you wanted to sit down. And we're just going to worship. And as you're worshiping, pray for these guys and what's happening right up here as well. And then I'm going to come up at the end, pray for us all, dismiss us, and then we'll go home again. Does that make sense? All right. Holy Spirit, come and just bring your power, your presence with us today, Lord. We love you. Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Zara. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.